0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Big Heads Media Podcast. Hey guys and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is Anthony Pagnotta here with you and for the first time in four weeks, it is time to recap a Tar Heel victory. The Tar Heels went down to Atlanta and pulled out the 38-22 win over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And uh... You know, I, I don't know where to begin with this game because I feel like this was a good win for the Tar Heels, much-needed win, Good, very good effort, especially after putting so much effort into a game against Clemson that you dropped. But, you know, there, there are still some things that I think you look at with this team defensively, mainly because of injuries, and offensively, and you still say, you know, there, there is some area to improve with this football team.
1: That's really what you wanted to do yesterday was a get the win, which Carolina got rather rather easily, which is something we haven't been able to say in a, in a long time, right. But also it's one of those wins that when Mac Brown and the staff look at the film and grade the film, Carolina left a lot out there. yeah, um, missed some big plays in the past game with just pure drops. Mm-hmm. Um, and defensively, you still left some stuff to be desired. So I think it's a good. it was good for us. You got the win, which this team needed, because we talked about in the preview, if you lose this game, whatever you gained in playing Clemson for 60 minutes, you lose. Right. And Carolina controlled the game pretty much the whole time. It was really never in question who was going to win. But there was also a lot that they did wrong. So Mac Brown can use this as a teaching point. Um, you improved a 2-1 in the ACC. You get a road win in ACC play for the first time in two years. So that's important. But, yeah, uh, I think I think the game was we expected it to go, and we're going to look at this, we get a week off, and we should see it a better team when we go to Virginia Tech.
0: Oh, I agree. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, they definitely took care of business, Mac Brown, addressed it after the game, saying, look, you know, this was an important game. We needed to win this football game because, you know, these are the types of games that if you drop, they're going to put you in – a Bad position and you know, we were talking about it before the game. You know, I kind of figured it out as the week went along what what we could determine, you know, the the official term for this game as was this not what we would call a swing game where it determines what direction your season is going to go in. Um, I mean, it was, you know, an important game, but it feels like, you know, it was a swing game. So if you want it three and three, two and one in the Coastal. Heading into your bye week, you've got it. you got a chance. If you were in the Atlantic and you're two and one, you probably don't stand a chance because you got Clemson. But in the Coastal, you definitely have an opportunity. If they would have lost this game at two and four and one and two, eh, you know you're, you're feeling a little uneasy. It's you know there's still a road to get back there because look, Virginia Tech won and now they're one and two in, in the Coastal, and people say, look, if they can get their, their stuff together. They might be able to find a way to somehow come back and, and win the ACC Coastal and save Justin Fuente's job, but um, you know I, I think you're right. A, a good win, you know, there were still some things that were left to be desired, especially in the uh, in in the passing game from a wide receiver standpoint. There were some drops that you know were de- a little head scratching, and you know that's one of the things that. I feel like Lonnie Galloway's really got to address here uh, over the next two weeks before they head out to play Virginia Tech because we saw this become an issue last year as the year went along. These drop problems that started to show up and then really hit their hiatus against NC State, where, I mean, look, you, you had seven or eight passes that should have been caught. It was, you know, again, so, somewhat similar, unfortunately, against Georgia Tech. And uh, there were a lot of people saying at halftime, look, this should probably be a 24-31 point game because Carolina had some opportunities that they left out on the field. But ultimately, this team did a lot right. Um, I mean, look, the running game was on fire. 211 rushing yards for the Tar Heels on Saturday. Javante Williams, another phenomenal performance. 20 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Carter, 20 carries, 68 yards, which is decent, but... Had a big day in the receiving game, uh, catching five passes for 52 yards out of the backfield. So uh, this Torial backfield, you know, we talked about it coming into the season that this might be the best overall unit on this team. And they're continuing to shine this time with their best performance of the 2019
1: season. Yeah, Javante got back on track after a down performance, if you want to call that, after Clemson. Michael Carter did something that we asked in the preview, was let's just see you be consistent. Right. He did that. 68 yards on 20 carries isn't a lot. It's less. It's a little over three yards a carry. Mm-hmm. But he was also a factor in the pass game, making making plays there as well. Um, I think what you what we saw Saturday was really the first time we've seen this offense be what Mac Brown wants it to be, which is being able to throw whenever they want to. But when they if, if they want to line up and run the ball, they were able to run the ball. Um, they, they amassed over 550 yards of offense yesterday on the road right. in, in an ACC game. We, we heard all year long that we want to be the Oklahoma of the ACC. That's what Oklahoma can do, and that's what Carolina did yesterday very effectively.
0: 587 yards of total offense yesterday for the Tar Heels, and a big reason why they got that high was because of Sam Howell. Just an unbelievable performance, career performance from him. 33 of 51, 376 yards, four touchdowns. Just one interception. And that one interception came on the first drive of the game. After that, he was pretty much as good as you can be for the rest of the game. Now, you could say whatever you want about Georgia Tech and how, you know, they've, you know, so many scheme changes. They got guys that, you know, just don't fit either the offensive or defensive system. This was still a team that came in with the fifth ranked passing defense in the country. You know, they, they really. Did a pretty good job in the season opener, even slowing down Trevor Lawrence. Sam Howell picked this team apart, and honestly, I mean, when you look and say, okay, 33 of 51, he didn't, you know, he he left some things out there. Not really. His wide receivers, if they don't drop the football, he might have had around 40 completions in the game for the Tar Heels on on his 51 attempts. He was about as good as you could hope for, especially for a true freshman.
1: Yeah, we finally got to see him. Be loose in the offense, I guess is how we'll put it. Have a lot more freedom to throw the ball more, uh, and especially more down the field. We've seen him throw it at times this year, but it's always been short, intermediate stuff. And we've begged and begged to see the ball go vertical because he's been pretty much perfect on those kind of plays and he was just that yesterday. Um, I don't know if Phil Longo listens to the podcast or not. It feels like he did after the the game plan he had he might. yesterday. He,
0: he might, and we, we appreciate that, and thanks for taking our consideration uh, when it comes to the play calling because it was much better yesterday than we've seen the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I, I talked after
1: the Georgia or the Clemson game, and it's hard to be critical of a game plan when you've been in all five games, but it felt like – He hasn't been very optimistic or opportunistic at certain times, trying to end the game. I felt like yesterday he had a good feel of okay, now we need to do this, and you go and do it, and you score. Whether it was throwing the ball or running the ball, his his, and you know the play calling is going to get better as he learns. You know the coaching staff, what Mac Brown wants in situations, and the quarterback, and we see Sam Howell grow. Um, Really big day for this offense to find some rhythm. 38 points, the most we've scored, you know, all year long. Um, and hopefully they'll build on this performance moving forward.
0: Well, you talked about the deep passing, and I think one of the big things for this Tar Heel offense that has changed over the last couple of weeks is how well this offensive line has played. They have really elevated their play. You know, Charlie Heck coming back into the lineup, playing with a broken hand. I think it's you know something that really inspired the rest of the guys on these on this offensive line to say, look, we've got our senior leader out here playing with you know a broken limb, and you know he he's still out here putting up. I mean, he graded out in the Clemson game at what I think it was like an 88. .9 or something like that, which is ridiculous to begin with, but then you think about it, he you know, he's he's got an injured hand and he's still doing as well as he did out there in pass protection was phenomenal in 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 run blocking situations and it was the same way again on Saturday. This offensive line really put in a real complete performance. They're really starting to finally show some you know some familiarity with with the blocking schemes you know it was it, it seemed early on in the year some guys were at a position and uh... now you know they're they're starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm you know they've they've built um, some of that some of that uh... camaraderie down there with the guys, because look, I mean, most of the guys now are able to stay in the lineup. Jordan Tucker looks like he's shaking off his early season injury. Brian Anderson's now been in there since the second game of the year against Miami. Um, so, I mean, look, you, you know, now you're finally getting these guys that have been working together for uh, now three or four games, and all of a sudden it's starting to look like a unit that you can trust a little bit more, that's keeping your quarterback upright. And the biggest thing that I thought Sam Howell was able to do with the fact that he was able to keep himself upright, you know, I don't know how much because you, you were you were working during the game, but I don't know, you know, when you watched him, it seemed like he was much more comfortable going through his progressions. It seemed like he was getting to his second and third guy, not sticking on that first guy like he has so much early in the year and so, and and so much throughout his high school career, which was one of the things that some people criticized him with. On Saturday, he seemed to really sort of try to get everybody involved. I mean, you saw guys like Garrett Walston get involved. Toe Groves had a big day, especially early on. So, you know, being able to work through those progressions, I think that's something that we asked Sam Howell to do. We thought, okay, maybe later in the season we'd see it. This was a big step in the right direction to do it against Georgia Tech and give yourself a little bit of confidence as you get ready to go down a home stretch that, has some winnable games on
1: it. You, you, you know, we can complain about, you know, not going through progressions. you got to have time. Right. It's not something that you can do if you're under duress in less than three seconds. Now, I'm saying that Sam has been under duress all year long, but there hasn't always been consistent time for him to go to a second, third, True. and fourth True. read. Um, you talk about the offensive line, and what Charlie Heck's doing is phenomenal, but you got to talk about really – Brian Anderson's now been playing meaningful games now for four games. Yep. He's prob now he's more comfortable and he knows all the stuff he needs to know when he, when he gets up to hike the ball, the, the protection checks he needs to make with the more familiar with Sam, uh, and, and the exchange. And that's important. Well, um, cause we saw the offensive line struggle and the, uh, Miami game, my mind's blinking. And then once we went to Wake Forest, it it, it had its moments. Six
0: six sacks against Wake Forest. But, again, that's the area where you can look and say, okay, some of those, the offensive line, let the guys through, didn't give them enough time. Other times, Sam was just holding on to the ball a little bit too much. That's where that balance comes in. And that's why I think it works so well against Georgia Tech because the offensive line gave him time, and he was going through his progressions and not rushing things. Um, but
1: yeah, e- easily the best performance from the line so far this year. Right. Um, I'll I'll go back and, and look at some some film, and before I do the trench report will be out on Tuesday. But it you know at all three levels you got encouragement from your your quarterback play, mm-hmm. your running back, and your offensive lines. Now got continuity with some, now the early season injuries have dwindled. And this team, like
0: said, now you're going to the bike, you're a little bit healthier. And, uh, yeah, pretty good performance all around for the offense. Yeah, we were begging uh, Nick Polino to come back from injury. Now uh, we might be sitting here saying, uh, no, this this team's starting to build a little bit of chemistry down there. Take your time coming back. Um, but one of the other areas where this offense has really improved, and we saw it again on Saturday, is third down offense. The first three games of the season, this team was 9-for-42 on third downs, 21.4%. In the last three games, the Tar Heels have gone 25 of 52 on third downs, which results in a 48.1%. Um, what am I? Uh, not, comp- I'm, I was wanted to say completion, success rate. There we go. Success rate. Um, And look, they went 11 of 19 on third downs. I think, again, you know, we talked about it when we were talking about their struggles after the Wake Forest game. It starts with what you do on first and second down. I think the fact, especially the last two games, that the Torials have been running the ball so well on early downs has been huge. But I also think, you know, you're seeing, you know, this passing offense start to settle in. Howell's starting to make some of those better decisions. And, you know, I've liked the fact that, look, you know, we saw you know in that little three-game stretch of Miami, Wake Forest, and App State, to me it looked like in the early downs, that was when Phil Longo seemed to want to take his deep shots. Now he's realizing, okay, let's put ourselves in – decent position first let's come out with a first down throw that gains five or six yards and then on second and four okay if you want to take a shot then we can because that still leaves us in third and four so I I feel like you know the play calling has gotten a lot better but you know when you look at this third down offense in general I mean you've got the right quarterback to do it right I was sitting there watching at the WFNZ watch party with my guys from the WFNZ Morning Show, and uh, I was hanging out with my guy Chris McClain, and we were just talking back and forth, and he said, you know, the weirdest thing about Sam Howell is that this kid, he honestly looks better when the pressure is on. He is better on third downs. He's better in the fourth quarter. Like, it's just something about pressure situations. So, you know, I I think, you know, everything is sort sort of starting to work out. And this Toriel team on on third down, all of a sudden, is becoming a problem for opposing defenses.
1: It, you know, the numbers were, were very bad. They were bottom in the country. I think they were probably dead last after three weeks. Um, now you you fast forward and and this improving. Well, that's familiarity with your quarterback and and Phil Longo's figuring out the right situations to call plays. You know, when to take a shot, when not, and and being high and calling more high percentage plays on first down. And you're right about Sam Howell. We we've raved about him through five weeks. The guy isn't scared of the moment. He enjoys it. He he lives for it. He's made for it. And that's why you've seen him go toe to toe with the number one team in the country and not phase him. And you saw why fourth and seventeen against Miami mm-hmm. didn't phase him and what he did against South Carolina and Charlotte coming down double digits fourth quarter. He's not phased by anything. And that's pretty good for a very for a true freshman quarterback who is gonna take growing
0: pains in his own right, but isn't scared to go win your ballgames. Well, he's been one of the talks of the town. Another talk of the town has been Jay Bateman's defense, which has changed a lot from last year. So, I, you know, another good performance on Saturday. This is their fifth game out of six that they've allowed less than 25 points so far this season. He might say, I mean, you know, it's a weird stat because they've allowed less than 25 points in five to six. They have not allowed less than 20 in a game the whole season, though. So they keep them right in between the 20 to 25 points per game. It's working out pretty well. They're allowing just 24.3 points per game this year. And I want to do this. I'm going to compare some of the numbers from last year. So you look at points per game. Last year, 34.5 points per game allowed on defense. This year, 24.3, more than a 10-point improvement For this defense, so we talked about. Look, even if you're gonna let up yards, that bend but don't break mentality that works so well under Gene Shizik was something that we wanted to get back to. It's it's working out so far this year under Jay Bateman, who you know is having to work with some guys that maybe don't 100 percent fit the scheme that he is wanting to run. But we heard in the preseason he's a guy that's going to adjust to the type of players that he has. You know, the passing defense, believe it or not, last year, 228.8 passing yards per game for opposing teams. This year, allowing just 211 points uh, or, or passing yards per game. And here's the problem you know, last year, the secondary was still relatively healthy. They had their moments where they had injuries, but their secondary was a lot healthier than it is this year. And still, this year, you're seeing that improvement. The ground game, clearly the biggest area of improvement, 218.8, yard, or 218.8 yards rushing per game. Um, last year on the ground for opposing offenses, this year just 160.8, another strong performance Uh, on Saturday uh, against Georgia Tech. You know, they had their moments early on in the game. Quarterback uh, gave them a little bit of trouble as well. Um, So the mobile quarterback, I think, is still a thing that, you know, we're going to see. We'll we'll find out in a couple weeks because Hendon Hooker, he he did uh, some great things against Miami on the run. So we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, this, this Tar Heel run defense, just so much different than in past years. It had been I think since 2013 that they had allowed less than 200 yards rushing. This cur- currently this team sits um, almost 40 yards per game below allowing 200 yards rushing per game. So they're doing a fantastic job. And total defense, 447.6 yards per game allowed last year. This year down to 371. Point eight. They're also doing a great job creating turnovers. Seven interceptions all last year. Six interceptions in the first six games of this season. So look, you know, I think that if you if you're just looking on paper at the stats, you're gonna look at the Miami game, almost 500 yards of offense led up. You're gonna look at the App State game, 34 points led up to an App State team that is good offensively, not great. But Jay Bateman is really doing something spectacular with this defense, especially with all of the injuries that they've suffered to this point in the season.
1: Yeah, he's proven why Mac Brown had him to come run the, to fix the defense here in Carolina. Um, there were questions when, when he made the, the hire just because what he did at Army was spectacular. But look at the way Army plays. They shorten the game. So when you're shorting the game as much as Army can with with their triple option, your defense
0: isn't on the field that much. What are you going to do? Your stats are going to be inflated a little bit. Yeah, yes, that was a legit concern. What yep. he's
1: and what he's proven so far this year is that he he can handle it. He can handle being in the ACC, handling an offense that wants to go up and down the field and put points up at a, at, a, at a premium rate. And the biggest thing is just the in-game adjustments, and we we hadn't seen under Larry Fedora. We can see adjustments, whether it's on the TV screen or in the stadium. Okay, well, they're doing this differently. Whether it's, like, the stunning at Clemson was phenomenal. It it confused the
0: heck out of that offensive line, which is a seasoned offensive line. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw it against Miami just in-game, and even South Carolina, where really in both first halves it wasn't really an aggressive game plan. He had a couple of times where he would throw a blitz here and there but in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, you could see that he was seeing, you know, okay, we need to start getting some pressure. Their offensive line is becoming comfortable with just seeing us rush three, maybe four guys. Now we're gonna add that fifth or sixth guy to, you know, the pass rush and see if they can adjust. and. You know, especially in the Miami game, because you know, you got up 17, You, you didn't. You, you're, your thing as a defense is, okay, don't let them back in the game with big plays. You could tell that they were trying to prevent that from happening, so they were sitting back and being a little more conservative. Once they got to the fourth quarter, you could see that Jay Bateman made that adjustment, got a little more aggressive, and that was one of the reasons they were able to shut him down in the fourth quarter. Under Larry Fedora, with the defensive coordinators that he had, there probably wouldn't have been any in-game adjustments, and the team would have lost the game.
1: Yeah, it's just something that you know we begged for, and now we're getting it. And he's doing this with, I'm not the one to make excuses for injuries, but the, this team is beat up in certain areas. But also, his
0: secondary is dis- destroyed. We're going to talk the, about that here. None today. of
1: these guys are guys that typically fit his kind of defense, and he's doing wonders with it. leads you to believe right. whenever he gets the kind of guy he wants, what Mac Brown wants. This this could be a defense that's going to well, cause problems in this conference moving it's, forward. It's
0: not that they don't want the guys. It's the fact that they the don't guys fight. that they're bringing in will fit this system better. They played in a similar system to this. They do certain things that, like, let's say you've got a corner that typically, because you know, Larry Fedora's defense coordinators really like to be zone heavy guys. If Jay Bateman wants them to play more man defense because he wants to blitz. There are corners that are specialists when it comes to playing man defense. A la Jaden Chalmers, who's committed in the 2020 class, thrives in man-to-man coverage. That's where he's the best. There are other guys that are a lot better in zone coverage because they're smart. They're guys that like to sit back and, and know their assignment going into the play. I can drop back into a zone. I know that I have to cover this range of field as opposed to covering one single guy. So that's what we're saying. We're not saying that, look, these guys are terrible players. They don't. Some of these guys don't fit the system. That's an actual thing. There are guys that fit different systems better than other ones. It, that, that's what I'm trying to explain to people, especially at the linebacker position. you got a lot of guys that are playing outside linebacker right now that – maybe haven't played outside linebacker their entire career. They're guys that, like, one guy that I think has done a phenomenal job with it is Alan Cater, a guy that always had his hand in the dirt. At the high school level, he was a a, uh, a three-point stance defensive lineman at all times. Hand in the dirt, he was getting after the passer. Now he's a guy that's having to stand up. And, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I think he's. This is the best he's looked throughout his career. I think he's made all the adjustments that he's needed to, and he's one of those guys that maybe doesn't fit the system hundred percent, but has really worked his tail off to become a guy that can make it work in this in this type of system.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's not as trying to the guys on the current roster when you say we don't. It's not that we don't want them. You don't fit the kind of scheme we want to run. And we're gonna we're gonna get those kind of guys and we're seeing guys all over you know, Alan Cater who's you know, making plays, Jas making plays. The ability of these players to adjust to Jay Bateman as he adjusts to them has been pretty pretty fun to watch as fans. Right. Um and it's just I don't know, it's 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 fun knowing when we go into games we don't have to score fifty if we wanna win. And that's how it felt for the longest time was if we don't if we don't put up uh, you know, fifty, we're not winning. Um, we're seeing adjustments made during the game. We're seeing, you know, techni- or, you know technical uh, changes with the defensive line, the secondary, the technique's a little bit better not with all these guys. It's just, you know, for us, when we got into Carolina football, we were known for playing really good defense. And then we had almost a decade where we didn't stop anybody. And it's kind of fun getting back knowing we can, we can win a game if we got to get it played 24
0: Well, I mean, it, you know, you know that, okay, let's say that the offense is feeling it a little bit. You get into a fourth and two situation, you know, on your own 45. In years past, you would say, okay, there's no way we can go for this because we can't trust our defense to make a stop. This year, you actually have confidence in your defense where you say, you know what, we can actually take a risk here on offense and try to, you know, try to do something and keep the ball moving because we trust that even if we don't get it, our defense can get the ball back for us. And you're right. I mean – And you talk about Jay Bateman adjusting to his guys that are on the field. You just don't, you really don't see that with defensive coordinators. A lot of guys that we've seen are really, really stubborn and say, look, you've got to adjust to my system. You do what I tell you to do, or you don't play. Jay Bateman's a little bit different. He understands that, look, I'm coming into a situation where these guys have never played in a system like this. It was completely different, the type of system that they played in under John Papuchis, under Gene Chizik, it's totally different. So I'm going to, not only uh, are they going to adjust to some of the things that I want to do, but I'm also going to adjust what I do to kind of play to their strengths as well and give us a chance to make plays, and that's what they've done so well. You know, he's really done that in the secondary because he's made a lot out of nothing, even this weekend. And again, you know, the secondary, 171 yards allowed to Georgia Tech. You know, you could say, okay, well, you know, Georgia Tech, they're still struggling. James Graham. Um, you know, had a better game than I expected, I'm going to be honest with you. He made a couple throws that I kind of sat there and said, wow, okay, Georgia Tech actually does have a guy that can throw the ball around a little bit. We haven't really seen that in recent years. But, I mean, you know, they, they definitely had their struggles because this secondary is just so beat up. If there's a team that needs this or a, a unit on this team that needs this bye week more than the secondary, I, I, I mean, I, I can't find it because this secondary – He's currently without Patrice Renee, Cameron Kelly, Miles Wolfolk, Bryson Richardson, Trey Morrison, and Trey Shaw. All of those guys, as of right now, are on the shelf. Now, we don't know the status of Trey Morrison. He left Saturday's game in the first quarter with what they called an upper extremity injury. So, it's what it probably is is that he's back in concussion protocol, unfortunately, we really hope not because again, you know, concussions are something that you never want to mess around with. and it's really, really hard to get out of con- concussion protocol once you get in. But this is the thing about this tutorial secondary. There are four or excuse me five spots in this tutorial secondary if you count the nickelback spot as well, which we see, roughly about 50% of the game, maybe a little bit more depending on who you play. This team has nine scholarship players that are healthy in the entire secondary. So, not even enough to fill an actual 2 deep in the secondary right now. This this unit really needs this bye week so they can try to get healthy for a stretch run that, you know, is manageable if they can at least have a secondary that, you know, can can hold teams under 200 yards a game.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I'm not going to say frustrating, it's just,
0: well, I mean, it, you know, it, it is frustrating it, it, because you got guys that are playing really well. A guy like Miles Wolfolk, three interceptions, having a great year, and then gets injured. It, it's frustrating to. You're, that's a good adjective. Yeah, okay.
1: I'm frustrated because I can't see these dudes be healthy for twelve games. And some of it's unfortunate. Some of it is whatever it is. The football guys hate you or whatever. Um, but it, you know, at the end of the day, it's football. It's next man up. Mm-hmm. The good thing is, so far, our guys have done a pretty good job stepping up when they've been called upon to make plays. Don Chapman had a phenomenal game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, there's, there's a lot of examples. And also, in a weird way, you're building depth in the secondary because all these guys are playing. It's not because you're winning games back and forth when they get to play because of injuries. But think about when all these guys come back and are healthy. Then you've got a two, hell, probably even a three deep in the secondary position, because all these guys have played meaningful snaps in the scheme. You're not going to be scared to put someone out there, except for Greg Ross. Uh, but you know, that's just that's our guy. Subtle shot, at uh, Greg.
0: He had a tough game yesterday.
1: let really so, did. and that's that's we can look on the on the on the other end is. Yeah, you're missing some leadership, and you're probably playing some lesser talented guys, but you're still building depth, which is something this team is going to need in the years to come.
0: Yeah, well, thinking about what this secondary can be, with all these guys returning, Patrice Renee going to have another year of eligibility. Uh, Kyler McMichael, Bryce Watts joining the group next year. Also got to think that it, you're going to have Jaquarius Conley at safety, as well as Cameron Roseman Sinclair. As the true freshman that will join, Jaden Chalmers comes in at cornerback. Yeah, all of a sudden you're starting to look at this secondary for next year, and you're like, "Wow, this is this could be a special group." It's just right now there's so much attrition there. Like you said, yeah, it's getting some reps for these guys, but you're you're almost just concerned that okay, we're seeing a at least one guy go down almost each week. You know we're going to run out of guys to throw out there. We're going to have to start throwing out some of these walk-on guys. Which you know the good thing is is that the previous staff did such a great job of having their walk-ons ready to go. I mean hell, we actually had T-shirts made up for walk-on you at one time. But you know it's that that's the only thing that I think is a little unnerving is that look, you know this this defense is improving, but in the secondary we're just we're almost. We're, we're, we're getting shockingly low on bodies that can, that can be out there to play so you know we'll, we'll see this this bye week could be huge for these guys to to uh, gain you know get some momentum back uh, you know in, in the secondary with uh, some guys hopefully returning um, from injury that that would be huge hopefully trey Morrison that's that's the big guy um, to keep an eye on there hopefully he is able to get out of concussion protocol and be back on the field. For the Toriels next game, because Storm Duck, a true freshman, had a solid game. Had some moments where he struggled, and Greg Ross. Uh, those two look, you know, they, they didn't come into the season as starters. It was supposed to be Tr- Patrice Renee and Trey Morrison, and uh, both of those guys, you know, they would be thrust into starting roles. I think, uh, you know, Storm Duck showed some things. So is Greg Ross at times, but you know, those guys are, are definitely hit and miss. So. It could be a little concerning as we go down the stretch of the season if Trey Morrison isn't able to get back up there. So, um, you know, I wanted to ask you just about the overall effort of the team, too, because, you know, this was something that I talked about with, you know, if you look back to prior years, this team probably would not have given this, this type of effort, right? Last two years, there's no way. Following a game where you put everything that you had into it, came up short, on what would have been the program's biggest win to date, you would not have seen that type of effort that we saw from Mac Brown's guys on Saturday.
1: Well, it it starts with him because if you listen to him in the media after Clemson, it was, hey, look, we played great, but hey, we're not here for moral victories. And also, if we go down to Georgia Tech and we're not as invested, we're not good enough to win. And I think that message resonates because they weren't invested for 60 minutes at uh, at Wake Forest. They weren't invested for 60 minutes at App State, and that was ultimately why they lost. They were the better team in both those games in the fourth yes. quarter. Yes. But football is 60 minutes. If you're not look, look Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, they can be invested for 15 to 30 minutes and win. Carolina isn't there right now. They might get there one day, but they're not there yet. And so I think that it helps that and Mac Brown I think he came out was it was it Wednesday yes. where he publicly nope. kind of challenged this team and I was listening to uh, Adam Lucas talk about he's got the right feel of how to push the buttons. He knows when to be upbeat and positive about his team, but also he felt Wednesday, okay? We haven't had as good of a week as price we needed to have. I'm going I'm going to challenge them publicly cuz they know in, in this and the media world they're going to hear it. And the team responded. And It shows the kind of culture change that's happening in Chapel Hill, the respect that they had for Mac Brown because they're going to fight for him because he's restored the kind of pride in the program that was lost under Larry Fedora. Because You're right. If this team was coached by uh, Larry Fedora, they'd have gone down there and probably got beat.
0: I think so. I Um, really do. Or it would have been one of those games against a team that really had no business being in the football game, would have been in it until the last play, and it would have been a nail-biter. And so that's just...
1: I can't talk enough. I've said it after every game on here that I've attended, and I've, these guys fight for sixty minutes, and that's something that you know is refreshing to see because they, they they care about themselves and what they're doing, what they're about, and they're, they're sitting themselves at three and three, which is more games than we've won since in two years. So they're doing a lot of things right, and they've
0: set themselves up to get healthy and compete to win an ACC Coastal Championship. Well, I like what you said about, you know, Mac Brown really knowing when to push the buttons. Adam Lucas brings up a great point there. And this is what I like about having a veteran or even, even you know, a senior coach that's been there for a long time and done it. Because, you know, and we, we, we compared him to Roy a lot earlier in the season. And I'm going to bring, you know, compare him here a little bit too. He will come out in the media and say, "Look, our team has struggled this week. Look, we've had a couple of guys that haven't given us the effort that we want to." And here's the thing about Mac Brown: you know, Larry Fedora might have said in front of the media on Tuesday or Wednesday of of a week, you know, if these guys have had a tough week of practice, you know, if they don't step up, we're not going to bring them with us. Mac Brown said in his press conference on Wednesday, "If they don't step up, they will not travel to Atlanta." And look, you better believe that, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if any of the guys that didn't travel didn't travel because of that. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think, look, you know, one of the, some of the people I think were saying, well, maybe that's the reason Carl Tucker didn't travel. No, Carl Tucker's a guy that's put in the effort for four years. He's, he's been doing that for a while now. I, I don't think Carl Tucker's a guy that you have to worry about effort-wise. I think he didn't travel because he had a lower body injury but I think that these guys knew look Mac Brown is serious if we don't pour, if, if we don't show the effort in practice we're not going he don't care he will bring walk-ons with him that are actually showing that they want to work and practice. It's also
1: a lot easier when a coach says that and believes that when he's got a national title under his belt, he's got the success that Mac Brown has. Right. The comparison to Roy Williams, I think, will never die just because they are just so similar, it's not even funny. Because you'll see it with Roy, where he'll call a player out, but the thing that always makes it okay is that whenever Mac Brown challenges a team or Roy Williams challenges a team, he always comes back and says, Ultimately it's my job. To, to get them what I, out of them what I want from them right and that's
0: the thing you're not you're not, they're not just blaming the player they challenge the player but also challenge themselves at the same time and, to and get so out of the for,
1: for a player it's a lot more easier to respect somebody if they're gonna call you out if they're willing to call themselves out and say I've got to be better mm-hmm. and Mac Brown isn't afraid to say that he hasn't been afraid to say it since he came back here and so that's that's the difference is you, you there's leadership from the top that is now going all the way down through to
0: the players the first two weeks of the season we heard after both games that the, we, we, the coaching staff we need to be better yeah i mean and he, that's he, different when you when you have a coach that comes out and says look the players did their jobs we have to do our jobs now as coaches you don't ever hear that usually when when teams win games they say you know what uh, you know, we, you, they're not going to say, okay, we had a bad game coaching. We Like the game against South Carolina, I mean, Mac Brown literally came out and said we tried to blow it for him. We we did a horrible job coaching. These players were the only reason that we won this game. And that's just, it's so much different because with Larry Fedora's staff, really just Larry, it seemed like, because you didn't hear from the rest of the staff all that often. It just didn't seem like they had that type of accountability that, the, this group of coaches do, especially Mac Brown.
1: Yeah, and that, you know, it's why I reiterated it, or I, I said it and I'll reiterate it for the end of time. It's why when they made the hire for Mac Brown, it was the right hire for UNC at the time. He was what the program needed because the guy just gets it. Right. And that's what Carolina football needed in 2018 going into 2019, a guy that gets it and is also going to win games and make – and sell tickets, and do all the other stuff he needs to do as a football coach.
0: So now they hit the bye week, uh, sandwiched right in the middle of the season. For this team, it, it seems like it's in a really good spot because of just how many injuries they have. I like the fact that it's before a Virginia Tech team that looks different with Hendon Hooker at quarterback than it looks with Ryan Willis at quarterback. They play, granted they play Rhode Island, so you don't know how much you're gonna get. You're really gonna know, but you got a little more time to get a little bit of film study in on a newer quarterback. And the other thing I like is, look, this is a place that has been. We thought that Georgia Tech was a house of horrors. This has been even worse. Going to Lane Stadium has never been kind to the Tar Heels. Now, this is not even your brother's Lane Stadium. I mean, it has dropped off very quickly. To become a, a stadium that now, I mean, barely half full. You know, this this is a tough test. But where this bye falls on the schedule? Do you like where it falls, or you were saying a little bit earlier, it you know it, it might end up hurting the Tar just a little bit because they gained some momentum against Georgia Tech, but now I have to go on a bye.
1: Uh, I hate it for the offense because you you had a, a game where you would hope to build off of, now you got to wait two weeks. Um, Which I get that. Health-wise, you know, they're already beat up as much as any team in the ACC, so it, it helps. Also got to remember, there are two buys this year with the way the calendar fell, the season started right. earlier, the yep. Carolina gets. They kind of actually have three buys with a short week and then a 10-day layoff from the Pittsburgh to Mercer game or whoever they play after their third night game. Mercer, yeah. So that that would be interesting. Nice to manage that. Um, but, you know, it, it comes at a, always a good time. The schedule is what it is. You can't complain about it. You can't fix right, it. Right. Um, you get two weeks to get prepared for a Virginia Tech team that isn't as good as we thought coming in. Um, Carolina's only one there twice since Mac Brown, I think, left the first time. So that will be a point of emphasis as they try to, you know, try to get a road win there, get to 3-1 and one in, in the Coastal play. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um We'll see, we'll see how they handle
0: it and we'll see how they look when they go to Virginia Tech. Well you said it they're gonna be trying to get to three and one. the fact that they won this game I mean a coastal run is, is not out of the picture here, right? Like I don't think many people outside of the, the delusional fans before the season saying this team was gonna win nine games because you know Mac Brown was that good there's so much talent on this roster. most people thought okay, they make a bowl game they're doing something right. But with just how, frankly, awful the rest of the Coastal is besides Virginia, I mean, there's still a chance that if certain things go right, if your true freshman quarterback keeps playing at the level that he's playing, they can make a, a, a run at the Coastal or at least make things really interesting these final two months of the season, Right.
1: Yeah, which isn't overly uh, overly shocking. Um, I think it's kind of where Mac Brown, if he was looking at the schedule before the season, kind of envisioned this team being at was, well, let's get to 5 and see what happens. You're in a division that is chaotic as any division in, in the country um, with some stuff that's happening. You know, Duke losing last night at home to Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh at- being Pittsburgh,
0: who decides to upset Central Florida uh in- and then proceeds to come back the next week, nearly lose to Delaware, then turn around and beat Duke at Duke. Yeah, so, they're very strange. Virginia um, Tech's not the same. Miami, dude, Miami. I, I don't, I don't even know what to think at this point. Like we thought they had Jaron Williams, and that solved all their problems. He comes out yesterday, goes straight video game where he has uh, three incompletions in the game, but unfortunately for him, the three incompletions were all interceptions. They're, they lose that game despite coming all the way back. Um, who else am I leaving out in the Coastal? I feel like there's somebody else that we're just not talking about here. Oh, Georgia Tech, terrible. Um, plain and simple. that That is definitely the worst team in that division. Like, That's the one team that we're saying, like we said in the preseason, there's no chance that they're going to factor into the race. Um, and then like the team that... Everybody looks at and says, "Look, they're a really good football team." Is Virginia? And I, okay, look, even in the loss against Notre Dame, I thought they had some moments where they looked pretty good. Bryce Perkins is still the real deal. But I mean, is it okay to still not trust Virginia? It's, it's just, Virginia. You know, like, that's the thing, man. So, it's so
1: hard to trust. Them. It's you know, look, Carolina do what they had to do. You, you've put yourself in a position to play meaningful football games going into November.
0: Right. You're two and one, and you're, you're two and one in the ACC which is about where we thought you could be if, because, you know, Miami, you beat Miami, you beat Georgia Tech, and you loss lost in conferences to Clemson. Nobody thought you were going to beat Clemson, so you're, you're fine so, right now. So,
1: you know, they just got to take it for what it is and understand that all these games we move forward are important, and you haven't won a lot of these kind of games the last couple of years, so you're going to learn how to now under Mac Brown and the coaching staff. But, I mean, look, this team's on track to make a bowl game, which is kind of what we wanted when the season started. I had this team making a bowl game at 7-5. and five. Um, so they're kind of progressing towards my prediction of that, um, and the, you know the program was still in an upwards trajectory as the seasons got along. They did right. all the, they 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 improved everywhere off the field from January to October. Now we're seeing the program grow
0: on the field, which is where the it's most most important. I thought Saturday was a huge game for the direction of the program because you know we talked about how if it was Larry Fedora, that's probably a game they go in there and lose. Mack Brown is is getting good effort from these guys every single game. That was the best back-to-back effort that I think we've seen from start to finish. I thought the effort was pretty good from most of the guys. It was just the drops were what prevented that from being a a runaway early in the game. And So I think, look, I said it in my recap article, this is not a game that you're ever going to look back on and say, remember that Georgia Tech game in the 2019 season? That was where the program was really showing signs of turning around. This is a big step in the right direction for this team. Now sitting at 3-3, three 2-1 three, um, at the midway point of the season. And so we are going to have an edition of the podcast coming up uh, where we will give you our midseason awards. So we'll do offensive MVP, defensive MVP, overperformer of the year, underperformer of the year. We'll have a couple of different ones where that that we'll give out Um, We'll do that as an addition of the podcast because, yeah, we don't have a preview for this week because it's a bye week. We won't have a recap next week because it is a bye week. But we are going to have a bunch of interviews as well. Jacob Turner of Toriel Illustrated is going to stop by. I'm going to see if we can't get our national guy, Bill Bender, from the Sporting News to come on and talk about what the national perspective of Carolina is at this point in the season. So we're going to have some great content for you guys. We'll definitely keep it rolling through the bye week. And then, of course, we will be back. Uh, on the the Friday before the Virginia Tech game, so October eighteenth will be the next preview edition of the podcast, and we will preview the game against the Virginia Tech Hokies for you. Um, that should be a really good game. A team in, in Virginia Tech that you know, like Josh said, look, isn't the same team that we thought they were a year ago, uh, you know, or early, but before the season started, um, but looks a lot different now. They they. Definitely looked different yesterday on the field against Miami. They still have some things that they got to correct defensively. And we'll talk about how the Torials match up against that defense uh, that week before for you guys. We'll have you prepared for everything uh, as the team gets ready to head to Lane Stadium. A couple other headlines that I wanted to talk about just before we got out of here. Cameron Kelly officially declared out for the season before the game against Georgia Tech. Came out about an hour before the game yesterday. Um, He will be out for the season with an ACL tear in his right knee. Suffered on the play uh, where he leveled the hit on uh, Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, you're talking about bad luck when it comes to this team. Makes a play, gets injured now out for the season. So the Torreals without Miles Wolfolk, still seems like he's going to be out for a a little while longer. Don't know um, how long that is, but... As of right now, it doesn't seem like there's much of uh, a sign that he's going to be able to get back into uh, into play here anytime soon. Um, so ho- you know, hopefully we get some better news here as we go throughout the bye week. Maybe he's able to come back against Virginia Tech or Duke. Hopefully he's able to get back on the field soon. But Cameron Kelly... Uh, Also out for the season, so that means that the Tar will likely be rolling with Don Chapman for a while here. And uh, look, he had an interception in the game against Georgia Tech. Also had a couple of moments where he was out of position in coverage. Um, But, you know, it's going to be kind of hit and miss. True freshman, guy that played a lot of corner at the high school level. So it'll be interesting to see how he steps up, how Jay Bateman can get him prepared. And that's another reason why this bye week is so big. Uh, that secondary has some younger guys in there this gives them a chance to get acclimated with the scheme get their legs back underneath them not have to learn on the fly quite as much so that'll be huge for these guys going forward. Also at linebacker, Jonathan Smith enters the transfer portal so the Tar Heels depth at linebacker gets just a little bit thinner but the good news for the Tar Heels is that uh, they do have a great three man rotation going there right now. Chad Surratt leading the team in tackles Of course, you got Jeremiah Gemmels, who has had a really solid season. And then senior Dominique Ross, who has stepped up and played very well as well. And of course, if they need to, they can go to the talented, former four-star, true freshman, Eugene Asante. Uh, His redshirt status, uh, as of yesterday, he is off the table. He cannot qualify for a redshirt, as he's already played in four games this season. So they can use him as much as they need to the rest of the season. So the Tar Still look like they're going to be okay, even with Jonathan Smith heading out. Smith finishes his career um, with 71 career tackles, a guy that we heard a lot about back in the 2005 15 class, I believe. 2015, 2016. One of the two. Don't remember off the top of my head. But um, never really came to be what many thought he would be. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, as, as a true freshman, we heard a lot about. People thought he was going to make a big impact. Had an injury, and really from there, never seemed to recover. Had a decent sophomore year where he had 40 tackles um, for the Tar Heels, but just was never really that force that we were hoping he could be in the middle of that defense. He'll move on. Um, you know, don't know where he's going to go. I think ECU would be a really good fit for him. Don't know if they're in play for him, but you know, will be a little bit closer to home with him being from Lurienburg um, out of Scotland County High School. Seems like he can make a big impact there, so we wish Jonathan the best of luck wherever he goes next. So that does it for this recap edition of the podcast. Like I mentioned, next preview edition of the podcast, will be October 18th before the Virginia Tech game. But make sure you guys go to HeelToughBlog.com where you can check out all the articles that we've got for you guys. we got some great content up there right now for you guys. The recap from the Georgia Tech game, um, as well as we have a uh, major targets update for you guys when it comes to the recruiting trail. So, you know, th- this was written before Keandre Lambert uh, committed to Penn State and Jacoby Cowan committed to Ohio State. But, in the article, it, it kind of you know it, it says before they even committed that it looked like they would go elsewhere. Um, but everything else is still extremely relevant. Some great nuggets in there for you guys to read about um, about some of the guys that the Tar Heels are looking at in both the 2020 and 21 class. Uh, some really good nuggets on uh, 2020 four-star linebacker Trenton Simpson who was in attendance for the Clemson game, as well as 2021 quarterback. Uh, Drake May, who is committed to Alabama, is a UNC legacy. And, of course, Alabama did add a quarterback in the 2020 class. So there is a little bit of news there. Nothing major, but still something to keep an eye on. So make sure you guys go and check that out. Of course, uh, we'll be doing some great features uh, during the bye week. There will be some great things for you guys to check out. We are going to have the scouting report for DJ Jones. That will be up. Uh, We went and saw him on Friday night. Uh, He had a fantastic performance. Of course you guys saw the interview that we did after Uh, The game with him, uh, just fantastic being able to talk to him and Jefferson Boaz uh, the last couple of weeks, and we're going to hope to do that again this week when we're on the road. We haven't quite figured out where we're going. Uh, We are not going to go out to Jacksonville, North Carolina. That's a four-hour drive, and unfortunately with the work schedule, it's not really going to work out to be able to get out there um, in time for the game. So unfortunately that one has been marked off the schedule, and we will not be able to go see Jaquarius Conley play this year. If he was a little bit closer um, or, you know, who knows, If he does play a team closer to this area during the playoffs, we'll probably go and take a look at him. But as of right now, we are not going to be able to get out there during the regular season. So we'll let you know sometime later this week where we're going to go. I think this might be one of the times that we dip into the 2021 class um, and and go to one of the big-time targets games to get a look at them. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. You can check out that uh, check that out on Facebook. Uh, just search Heel Tough Blog. Make sure you like and follow the page as well as uh, Twitter at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter or you can check uh, my account out at FutureTarHeel. Um, I make sure I put everything up. Uh, everything that you see on the Heel Tough Blog Twitter is usually on my Twitter as well. There's even some stuff on my Twitter that you won't see on the Heel Tough Blog Twitter so make sure that you guys check that out. Also follow Josh on Twitter at Joshua Marlow5. We got basketball now that is a part of the Heel Tough blog. So make sure you guys check that out. Caleb Love's commitment article is on there. Make sure that you guys go back and look at that. Uh, See, you know, the breakdown of of what we expect from another five-star point guard, the third in a row that tutorials have gotten. So uh, you know tutorials are really feeling it on the basketball recruiting trail um, and also we're going to have some other great stuff that we're going to start doing as we get closer to the season the uh, Roy's Boys podcast there will be a page up on the Heel Top blog website for that as well so keep an eye out for all that stuff that will be added there and make sure that you subscribe to all of the articles scroll down to the bottom of the page when you get on the Heel Top blog website type in your email at the bottom and hit that subscribe button we'll make sure to send every single article that we write directly to your inbox so that you don't miss anything you don't have to worry about going on any of those social media sites and trying to track it down it comes right into your inbox all you got to do is open it up download the app on your phone and you can read it right there no issue. so want to thank Josh for joining me want to thank you guys for listening as always and as always remember go Tar Heels!